On this week's episode of Circles Off, we're joined by a very special guest. His name is John Fendler. You see him on the Hit the Books channel, talking college basketball with March Madness right around the corner. You're going to want to hear what he has to say about how to bet on college basketball. And if you stay tuned right till the very end of this episode, Johnny from Betstamp giving out a very infrequent pick. You're going to want to listen to this one. All that and more on this week's Circles Off. Come on, let's go! Welcome to Circles Off, episode number 90 here on the Circles Off YouTube channel, a part of the Hammer Betting Network, Rob Pizzola, joined by Johnny from Betstaff. Number 90 couldn't be more timely for us Leafs fans. Ryan O'Reilly. Ryan O'Reilly just traded to the Leafs. Uh, pretty exciting moment. There is a former Leaf. I, he didn't wear 90 with the Leafs, but Jason Spezza, when he played for the Stars... Wore 90 for many years as well. Spez, the hometown boy. O'Reilly is one of the few guys that doesn't wear the, like, the visor. Yes. So nails. His grandfather. I, I, lo- I love that. That's unbelievable. You don't, you don't want to mess with a guy. like in, And even in men's league, there's a lot of guys that wear like the half visor. Some of them wear like the half cage or even the full cage. But half cage, you can mess with that guy. 100%. If you're wearing a half cage, bro. If, what is the point of... yeah? <laughs> you know you know what I'm talking about? Like the half cage and then it's, or the half visor and then the cage on the bottom? Well, oh, that's what, the worst. Uh, does he, do, you, do you know what I'm talking about? Pl- plastic or metal? I'm talking about the top it, half yeah, of the, the, the helmet visor is, is visor. Is the, the bottom, bottom half plastic? I, I never no, got no, close. No, no. Okay. Hey, hey, what he's cage. referring to, by the way, for anyone who plays puck, is uh, he's talking about a fishbowl. <laughs> no, I, I have a fishbowl. The fishbowl is nice. But the, the Here we go. cage on the bottom. That's is what. Not. That's why I asked him. If it's plastic all the way, that's the fishbowl. Yeah. It's um. Oftentimes, it's actually a hot debate. Some people like it. Other times, you'll get uh, definitely chirp for that. And then other times, you'll. It's not. It's like kind of cool. But it depends on your skill level as a player as to if your fishbowl is cool or not. The cage at the bottom, visor in the middle is frowned upon heavily. Very heavily frowned upon in the industry. I never wore that. I was a visor guy personally, but the visor sucks because you got to like spray it before the game. It fogs up. You know what I'm saying? It's that was in the day where I had to wear it. Nowadays, like I don't play men's league anymore, but I just don't want to get like, I don't ever want to have to do like stuff with my teeth. You know, I've seen guys take like an accidental puck that just like hits a stick, goes flutters, hits them in the teeth. They lose like three teeth. Like, I don't want to deal with that. No, I'm a full cage kind of guy. Yeah. I don't want to deal with that. Zacco's visor. Yeah. Your visor. Ill will. Yeah. The only problem with the full cage is like, if you get into like men's league scrap, they can just grab the cage really easily. Buddy, and yank. Buddy, that, that's nothing. That doesn't, that doesn't do anything. What do you mean it doesn't do anything? <laughs> buddy, come on. Okay. Who's let, you're letting guys grab your cage in a men's league scrap. First off. First, I'm, ne- I'm never, I'm the, I'm the last guy that ever wants to fight in any sport. I'll tell you right now. Like I'm, I'm not, I just don't want to deal with it. Like I don't play sports to, f- like I play ball hockey competitive ball hockey for years and i'm like the guy every game in ball hockey where you're trailing like by two if the game is a two goal game in the third period somebody's getting fucked up in the ball hockey game and it's usually gonna be behind the play in the corner and that guy was usually me just taking chops to the ankles and the back of the <laughs> knees while just like ref and he's like what do you want me to do the plays down here and this and like i just don't want to deal with that like i don't want to turn like i don't want to turn around slug the guy bench is clear like that's not my idea of a fun tuesday night what happened to you Pizzola. like <laughs> there's some guys that live for that right they're going to the, the the rink they're like yeah i can't wait i can't wait for it for me it's just like i just want to get some exercise in have some fun and not get 
you know, stick across the back of the knees 14 times. Fair enough. In the final few minutes. I'm right? trying to play hockey real bad right now. But I did, Johnny. I got this. You're, you like this? I got the golf itch. Oh, yeah? Mm, oh, bad, bad. Watch the full swing documentary. Watch four episodes on Saturday. Watch the full finish of the Genesis on Sunday. Watch the Leafs game. Watch the last four episodes of full swing. Mm-hmm. And then Monday, right to the driving range. Finish. Did you go to the range? Yep. Finished work, right to the range. I'm hooked, boys. Buddy, stick around tonight. We'll go to the sim. Yeah. Uh, man, you guys are making me really jealous. I was going to go to the range after you busy we recorded or no? this. Let's I was going to go after we No, range this. sucks. Let's go to the sim. I got a good sim. What range is there now? It's a, sim, Markham sim. Golf Dome. They still... Oh, so... Okay, got it. Indoor. Indoor. We'll go to the sim after if you stick around tonight. I got some work to do after this, and we'll go to the sim. Guaranteed. You got my word. I, we'll I play Pebble Play a nice Pebble Beach with some with some shifty putting. Just goes about if, if anyone plays golf simulators, you'll know what I mean. Oh, They're big in the Canada worst. here because it's winter. We can't play golf during the year. I'm I'm pretty excited for golf now too because um, I have like good rooting interest. So Max Homa got off to like amazing start at the beginning of the year. By the way, Max Homa is like a very much a bet stamp office joke because uh, CTO of BetStamp, Julian Packer, uh, jokingly told us one week last year to bet Max Homa not to win the tournament at minus 3,300 in a tournament that he did win. So now it's become a joke. But Max Homa was on fire earlier this year, and I bet him to win every single major and to win a couple other tournaments at like 50 to 1, 66 to 1. Now those are all in like the 15 to 1, 20 to 1 range. So I'm a huge Max Homa fan for this year. Uh, Do you have any open bets on him? Oh yeah, on what? The Masters. You, oh, you like? Sorry, I, I wasn't. I mis, misunderstood yes. what you said. So you bet like for the Masters, this upcoming Masters. The, the, every major this year, I'm rooting for Max Homa, it, and it'll be it. a big payday. It would be a yeah, bad day for Pinnacle. Yeah, if, I misunderstood uh, you. <laughs> if Max Homa hits it, but Pinnacle, they did take my bets, and they always take my bets because they are the world's sharpest sports book, and they're now available to residents of Ontario. You can find out what pro betters have known for decades. Pinnacle is where the best bettors play. You must be 19 plus, not available to U.S. residents. And again, please play responsibly. But Pinnacle will not be happy if those hit. I mean, no, it's going to be fine. Like they're actually not sweating at all. They're Good. they're not they're not sweating. Pinnacle's going out of business. If they're going out of business, they will not be available in Ontario <laughs> anymore if those hit. But uh, no, I mean, I, I'm I'm jealous. Like my arm's still a little bit messed, but it's getting better. And I don't want to the sim. I don't want to. I play basketball tonight, so I can't come to the sim. Oh, his arms messed, but he can throw up Jimmy John's. I, I honestly don't. Zach comes to, and plays hoops with us. It's like just the local guys every now and then. I don't. I don't shoot too much. I'm more of a, a no. Defender. But Rob has the craziest shot that goes in. Like I sort of got ninety percent of the time. And it's like the LeBron step back fadeaway jumper, it's my, and it it's just my clashes. It's nuts. <laughs> from it's how from from oh, how many it, how many feet? What do you think? It, like what range? Six, seven feet? Yeah, it, it's a mid range. It's like the worst. Mid, seven foot's not mid range. It sort of is though. Like here's the problem, right? A couple. Of, I'm. This is all mostly Italian guys, right? So like I'm one of the bigs. I'm oh, <laughs> center. I'm six feet, 170 pounds, and I'm one of the bigs. But the other bigs are bigger than me. So I, I got to like find ways to create my own shot and I'm a little bit more agile than the other big guys. So, you know, I back them down a little bit, Bang. S- step back, jumper, boom. Just honestly, exactly like LeBron set the record. That's like my that's go Jimmy That's John. my go Yeah, that's the shot. That's my shot. Love it. Love to see it. I hit about 20% on those, but they look good. When no, it goes, no, it no, goes. No. That's it, it. That's actually an in- injustice. It's way higher than 20%. I, I swear it's way higher than 20%. Yes. Nice, Pizzola. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, 
Can but I ask you something really quickly? Yeah. Also, I noticed some boxes right huh. beside you. Well, I was going to ask you if you're, you've been sweating games lately. Have I been sweating games? Have you been sweating games? I had a, I've had a couple sweats Cause, the last cause couple of weeks. I've had a lot of sweats, and now I've found some products that help with the sweats. What did you like, find? I found some stuff. So support for Circles Off is now brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. You can get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code CIRCLES. If you head over to manscaped.com, 7 million men worldwide trust Manscaped. That's approximately 14 million balls. It, wow. it is. Approximately. It, it, it's, that's, it's probably closer to 13.9. I don't, <laughs> if we're being real here, it's not exactly times two equation, but... What can you buy here? What do you have here? So man, here's the thing. Manscaped, I don't, for the audience out there, make it very clear. I promote products that I use. If I'm confident in the product or I feel that it's worth it, Manscaped reach out to us. They're interested. Like, all right, send me some boxes. Let's see what we got over here. Okay, this performance package, it's pretty solid overall. So... This is too much detail here that I'm going to get into, but I'm known to oh, be a here guy. Here we go, Pizzola shilling products again. Everybody. Listen, <laughs> I like to keep things clean. I'm a clean guy. That's just kind of what I am. Sweating. I don't we sweat. play the clip of when, when Spanky had to answer that question on the spaces and he said, <laughs> I'd live with Pizzola. He's a, he he's seems a clean, like a clean guy. He cle seems like a clean guy. He's right. He's right. I don't sweat games all that much. I do sometimes because there's way worse sweats in life. And there's worse sweats in life when you're shaving below the waist. Okay. That's a real, real sweat. This package, Lawnmower 4.0, amazing. Very safe to use, easy. You can use it in the shower, which is nice. Waterproof type of product, way, way better overall. But there's these other things here. We got this ball toner, crop reviver. Okay. But this one, this is the true one, the crop preserver. Ball deodorant, okay? You take your shower in the morning, put this on for the rest of the day. I sit at my desk a lot every day. When I'm not sitting at my desk, I exercise. I'm pretty much in a situation where my balls are going to sweat at some point or another in the day. I've tried this now, going on three weeks. It is a game changer. Absolute game changer. It all comes part of the performance package product with Manscaped. Once again, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code CIRCLES at manscaped.com. 20% off, free shipping, manscaped.com. Use the code CIRCLES. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. This is a performance product. And our next, next guest, he's huge on positive performance. Interesting. Use the code. It probably supports the show. So if you're going to buy it, <laughs> just use the code. Like, we need that support, all right? This show is free. Look, I used to, before I played lacrosse, you take Gold Bond. That was what we used to use. <laughs> use some Gold Bond. Fire it up. You're good to go. You know, you're running. It's hot inside. Wearing the tight spandex or whatever if you got underneath for your jock. Manscaped, this product comes around. Easy replacement. I'm going to tell you this. I, I, I showered this morning. I put this on. If this works through the entire recording of this show. Where it is so hot. It is one of the best products of all time. 
because my entire body we've recorded for 10 minutes i'm roasting right now just an absolute not too bad stage five roast under these lights so we'll know in the next hour or so but let's get to it college basketball well by the way rob if uh if anyone here wants to sign up at pinnacle rob's gonna do a full full fledged call he's gonna answer like questions about your betting anything like that he's gonna take his time and he's gonna give you i mean We'll commit to five minutes. If you sign up at Pinnacle, you get a minimum five-minute call with Pizzola. It's probably going to be longer than five minutes, but there are a lot of crazy people out there. So <laughs> minimum five minutes. Pizzola is going to take your calls direct. If you want to talk to me, which I doubt it, you could reach out anyways. But Pizzola is offering this. If you want to sign up at Pinnacle, just tell him, get signed up. Pizzola is going to answer your questions. That's well worth it. No doubt. Depends, you know. Value is in the eye of the beholder, I guess. For some people, they, but some people be very interested in five minutes chatting with me. There you go. And it's a done deal. He's already confirmed it. Like, I already, I did confirm it at lunch today. I did confirm it at lunch today. <laughs> no, he did not confirm it. I just made this <laughs> up, but it's actually a real offer. And if you want to talk with a combo, you, should we do an episode where we get phone-ins? I can do the, something like that. Yeah, we have. Could be dangerous. I I used to produce radio and call in shows. Well, we can do them pre recorded. Well, so I know we can we can edit it in post. It's not. Ni- it's nice. I would love to one day be able to do a live phone in show, but we we would not be able to. I do a live phone in show. Yeah, I know. I've seen some of your stuff. It's. I don't know how you do it, Zach. Would we not get a phone in show? People can just come and call and ask their questions instead of the Q and A episode. We were due for a Q and A episode, anyways. Maybe I'll see if I can set something up for the people. Maybe we'll set up like a voicemail system. Seems like Pizzola doesn't want to do it. This is bringing back bad memories. Dude, the live Collins can be very risky. Yeah, they're... they're well, if we edit out post, what's the risk? No, there's no... There's just Zach's time, which is... <laughs> it's, it's not well, worth... What time? If a, guy's, if a guy literally comes in, starts swearing, whatever, cussing out Pizzola, saying... You no, I actually like it. Yeah, 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 it depends. Pizzola's bets. Yeah. Bro, well, we could just cut that whole guy out. Well, or we don't, and I'll just sewer him. Like, uh, I'll, I'll make a mockery of that person. I'm very good and quick on my feet. I'm very good. Especially when he's hitting seven-foot jumpers. All right, let's get into our guest for today. Without further ado, John Fenwick. We're now joined by our guest here on Circles Off, episode 90. His name is John Fenler. You can follow him on Twitter, at John Fenler. He is a trial attorney in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. He is the host of School of Thought on the Hit the Books YouTube channel that's part of the Hammer Betting Network. I'd highly recommend you check that out. He also posts his college basketball plays, his college football plays at Betstamp. If you want to check him out on Betstamp, his user ID is JAF373. John Fendler, welcome to Circles Off. Thank you, guys. Appreciate the welcome and really appreciate you having me on in general. We're getting to that point now that uh, even the most casual fans have to start paying attention to college basketball, so the timing here really couldn't be any better. Yeah, I mean, that would be me, exactly that. Uh, I do bet some college basketball, but we approach the end of February and get into the beginning of March, and all of a sudden I become a super fan. So it's that time of year for me, and I think a lot of people uh, share the same sentiment out there. So, John, we just like to get a background on every single one of our guests when we start here on Circles Off. So give us a little bit about your own personal background and how you got involved in the betting space. I really wish I had a more compelling or unique story to tell you, but like so many of the guests you guys have had on, uh, it, it's the same shit that you've heard so many times. Started in college, thought I was a genius, hit a bunch of bets to start and said, wow, I'm, I'm smarter than 95% of people doing this. Found out immediately, no, 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 you don't know anything. And of course, 
that trial and error that we're all familiar with. And it just kind of built from there. Unfortunately, I had the displeasure of uh, being a member of the covers forum <laughs> and the sewer that that was uh, built up a little bit of a following on there. And I think mainly because I could form like a complete sentence, people said, maybe this guy does know something. <laughs> uh, but really, I learned more on there of what not to do than actually what to do. But hey, that's a hell of a way to learn. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think a lot of us, uh, you're probably around the same age as me. I, I grew up in the forum space, covers forums for sure. Um, and I, I think I agree with you in that I learned a lot of what not to do from people in that forum. So, I mean, it's a little bit different now. You don't get as much of that nowadays. Most of uh, yeah. gambling content is on Twitter, but I think a lot of that might still apply nowadays where the vast majority of the stuff that's circulated to people out there might be more of a, Hey, maybe you should try, uh, doing not the necessarily the opposite, but avoiding a lot of the stuff that's, that's filtered out there. Correct. And it's a little different now also in that more people are putting their face on it. Of course, all the marketing stuff that has blown up in the last several years, as opposed to the anonymous avatars that we all used to have back in the day. But yeah, it's the same idea. It's the majority of the content is just not going to be useful or actionable in any way. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as, as time went on, you know, I graduated college, went to law school and found I needed some sort of outlet away from school. And this actually ended up kind of being a logical place to go. Just because there was some of the some of the same stuff, the same analysis that you would apply to law can be transferred to betting, uh, especially with getting into some of the analytics stuff the last several years. So it really all just took off from there. And I finally started winning consistently, I don't know, maybe five years ago, give or take. Um, so on, on the law side of things and going to law school, becoming a lawyer, did you have ever have any issues with telling other people that you were involved in the betting space? Because for many years, there was this negative connotation, this taboo associated with betting. Did you ever think you'd be viewed differently amongst your peers because of that? That's a really good question. I think my answer is different now than it would have been, say, five years ago, just because, I mean, the, the very obvious fact that it's now, one, just legalized, and two, it's become so mainstream. Lawyers, I don't think this will be breaking news to anyone in the audience, but lawyers have a very wide array of hobbies, ranging from wholesome things like being in a band or cooking or baking to uh, some less wholesome shit. So this this is kind of in the middle of the spectrum. And, and a lot of lawyers, you know, of course, have personality-wise, lawyers have been known for betting for years, but it would be something that you wouldn't necessarily advertise. And I still don't really advertise it or walk around with it on my sleeve, but I certainly wouldn't uh, hide from it at this point. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think obviously with the amount of regulation in the space now, there's definitely a different uh, outlook on on betting and, and the way that it's perceived because more and more people are are just in tune with it or doing it themselves nowadays. It doesn't have that, that negative connotation associated with it. Um, really quickly, just to rewind, John. So um, got involved betting from an early age. Were you, were you like a big sports fan in the early going? Did you play sports, any college sports, anything along those lines? I was always a big sports fan, started watching football at, you know, four or five years old and NFL was certainly my first love and then college football and then college basketball kind of from there. But yeah, I mean, certainly through high school, college, uh, didn't play anything organized in college other than, you know, intramural flag football, but that was it. Uh, but high school, yeah, basketball, I uh, played football for a year, baseball for a year. I uh, didn't really stick with anything long-term. And in, in hindsight, I'm glad I didn't because I don't think I would have enjoyed the college sports experience. Uh, so that ended up being a good decision overall. All right. So we'll get into, I guess, the betting now. Um, you are primarily a college basketball better. At least, you know, that's what um, a lot of your content's based in. So 
if you want to just take some time and describe your approach to betting college basketball, you know, mathematics versus subjectivity, things like that. It is almost all subjective because I have zero math background. In fact, I was an atrocious math student uh, starting in middle school. Once we got past like the times tables and long division part of math, I was clueless. I couldn't do algebra, couldn't do geometry, trig, any of that shit. So the fact that now I, I enjoy this kind of metrics stuff is a surprise to me and certainly would be a surprise to any of my math teachers. But it's mostly subjective analysis of angles, the psychology stuff, trying to get into the weeds and find inefficiencies. I can't build a model or, you know, I can understand that the output's coming from it, but I can't build it. So it's mostly based on, uh, well, let me, let me back up a little bit. I break the season down into a bunch of different segments. College basketball is unique in that we start early November when no one's paying attention to it because it's, it's prime sports season at that point. So those first two weeks are very different than the rest of the season because that's the worst time of the year for the model, like the Kempom model that everything's kind of based off of now. That model is as weak, obviously, in the beginning of the season as it will be at any point. But obviously, the further along we go, the model gets sharper and sharper. Three months in now, you know, we're mid, mid late February. At this point, that model is razor sharp to the point that I'm more interested in the game. Let's say a game that opens plus, you know, should be a team should be plus eight, according to the model but it opens short at like plus six and a half. It gets bet down to five. Now we're three points off this model, which is at operating at its like peak efficiency at any point this year. I'm now more interested in that game, uh, the the favorite at five, because why, why is the market moving it that much when this model is as tight as it's been at any point this season? So my approach changes quite a bit throughout the year. I mean, even from, you know, when we start pre-Thanksgiving, I've tried to start adapting by like around Christmas, trying to find newer stuff. And I've gotten killed in the past where I have a great start to the year. And then it all just kind of goes to hell in January because I'm trying to bet the same way I was in November. So that's been a big difference the last couple of years trying to uh, find new ways to approach this. For the viewers and the listeners. So I, I mentioned earlier that John tracks all of his plays on BetStamp at JAF373. He has... About 2,400 plays tracked at the time of this recording, plus 93 units, 3.5% ROI, 2.6% CLV. This is, per John's words, 100% subjective based analysis on games. So we've had episodes before where we talked about, there's, what's the PETA way? Many ways to, I can't say skin a cat. Uh, peel the potato. Many, many ways to peel a potato, right? And this is one where he's having the results by doing something completely different. I, I think you mentioned a lot of interesting points there. So I, I want to I start with one because I've noticed this exact same thing with my own personal betting over the years where you have like this repeatable trend of I do really well at this point of the year and then I start to bleed units at this point. Do you then stop betting? Do you alter your betting at that point? What What changes for you let's say at the midway point of the college basketball season or, or now end of february as we head into conference tournaments and march madness what do you have to do differently well the last couple of years prior to this year it was the exact same pattern i would have this like at the start of the season that like first two or three weeks with these really soft lines i go up like 20 25 units i'm a single unit better probably i would say medium medium volume overall and i'd have this immediate spike at the beginning of the year and then it just looked like 
some, you know, someone whose heart stopped, like it goes up and up and up and then it just flatlines and it's flat the rest of the year. I wasn't losing at that point. I was just not gaining anything. And so what I did this off season was try to look for new ways. And I think I spent too much time in the past, like kind of trying to fight that Ken Palm Vegas model. I tried finding saying, okay, no, no, the model's wrong. My numbers are right. Whereas now I'm trying to work. I, I'm almost saying, let me, let me be with the model. And when the market goes against it, I'd rather be on the model side at this point in the year. And I think that shift happens more in like early conference play. But we, at that point you have for most teams who've played maybe 12, 15 games. And some of that early season flukiness has now been filtered out. So now you have a pretty sustainable sample size of games and you can say, look, this, this model is pretty honed in uh, and you start to trust it more and more. It didn't used to be this way when I started 10 years ago, Ken Palm was there, but it wasn't like Vegas was ripping lines straight from it like they do now. So that's probably been the biggest adjustment is to stop fighting that. I've also tried using, I have used a lot, a site called Shot Quality, which some of the listeners may have heard of at some point. This is a brand new thing in the last two to three years, uh, completely different than the other analytics sites because it's taking every shot taken in 363 gyms. And it's saying, what are the chances with this player taking this shot from this spot on the floor that that shot will go in or miss? Completely revolutionary for the game. Uh, they've gotten into betting in the last year or so. That wasn't the initial purpose. It was really for coaches to sign up uh, to try and generate the best shots. I ended up, I found it just by chance when they first started, texted the guy who started it and said, look, I'm not a coach. I'm a better. What are the chances I could pay you for access to this data? Uh, and he ended up giving me access to it pretty early. I didn't know at the time I was the first better to have access to this stuff. And it completely changed the way I watch. I can't even watch a game, quote unquote, normally now. I can't walk into a bar, see a game on TV and watch it like a normal person. Because now in my head, every shot I see go up, I'm like calculating what are the chances that it goes in. I uh, but, so, Sorry, go ahead, John, continue. No, I was always going to say was that has made a difference too, because that that uh, site is completely different than the Vegas and Palm Torvik type models. I can uh, very much relate to what you're talking about, not even from a sports perspective, but I, I, when I was 10 years old, I picked up a guitar for the first time and I, I became obsessed with playing the guitar. And then over time, I started listening to music and I don't even hear the vocals anymore. I can, all I pick up is the guitar. And I think there's certain people who get really in tune with something and they, they watch the game and they just see it totally differently from everyone else. Um, so, I mean, I, that, that just really stuck with me. Um, I, I want to backtrack again one more time. So you talked about um, Ken Palm and like the divergence uh, uh, from the spread and the act the Ken Palm spread and the actual spread. Um, why does that happen when, when you when you notice that that's happening? Is that specific to the Ken Palm model or the public models, whether that's T Rank uh, Bartorvik site? Uh, is it they can't factor in injuries? Is it news that the that the market is factoring in? What what do you typically see in those games where there's such a divergence from the you know the market spread versus the the public model spread? I wish I could say it was something consistent, but it really does depend on the game. I'll give an example. You know, we're recording on Tuesday. There's a game tonight, and, and no one will hear this till at least Thursday, I believe. But there's a game tonight with. Villanova at Xavier, and the Ken Palm line is Xavier minus eight. Uh, but then, you know, Nova recently got back one of its more important players who hadn't played all year. He came back about three weeks ago. And every Nova game now, when that line opens, they're getting that number is getting bet down or bet up in, in, in favor of Nova. Uh, so oddly enough, yesterday when this line opened, instead of it opening eight like it normally would, 
They opened at six and a half, plus six and a half. It's down, at, well, as of this morning, it was down to four and a half. So now we're three and a half points off the Ken Palm number. And I'm saying to myself, you know, Justin Moore, this player who came back, he's a solid player. He's not worth three and a half points. And that's that's pretty much the only reason these Nova games have been moving uh, from the open. The same thing happened this past Saturday at Providence. I believe that one was Nova plus seven at Ken Palm. That got down as low as three. So now we have a four-point move for one player. That's the kind of stuff I'm looking for this time of year. And why is it happening? I think it's just people moving the market believe that he's worth X amount of points. And I just disagree. Well, so this is where I think that a subjective-based handicapper might be able to gain an advantage over a mathematical modeler. So especially in college basketball, where you have such a limited sample of a specific player, where maybe that data is not telling of what that player's actual worth is. I think this, I don't bet a ton of college basketball, so this is like full disclosure for the audience out there. But of the people, I bet a lot of college basketball. I don't, I don't originate it myself. Let's put it that way. But of the people that send me numbers, where they tend to conflict with one another is whenever there's an injury on the game, it's what's the value of that injury. And yep. they're constantly arguing. There's some people that are on the light sides of like, it barely even matters. Some people will be like, oh, this, this and that. But as a subjective handicapper, I feel like this is where the eye test might be more telling than the actual numbers on a player who's maybe played 15 games that season, especially if they're a freshman or a junior and they're getting a lot of minutes. I don't know if you feel like that's a built-in edge that you might have over modelers or whether or not you think that I'm just overstating it. No, I do think it's an edge. It's hard. It's difficult because you can't quantify it in any way. You can't say it's not repeatable. It's all subjective kind of vibes based, which I hate using that word even, but that's kind of how it is. But I will go deeper and look and say, you know, how have they performed with this player on or off the court? Uh, but college sports in general, because we're dealing with not professionals, are so are so fickle. Uh, there was a game on Sunday, Memphis game time call with their best player, Kendrick Davis, who may be you know, probably the best point guard in the country at Houston. And you could tell the line was like kind of straddling that like, will he or won't he play spot? And it was like sitting Memphis plus 13 and a half for quite a while. And then on Twitter, like a half hour before the game, you start seeing videos pop up. Like he's shooting around, he's taking jumpers, he's dressed. Line starts to wiggle a little bit towards Memphis. And then all of a sudden he's ruled out. So the line goes from plus 13 and a half to plus 15. And I think back in the day, I would have said, oh shit, Kendrick Davis is out. Like I can't play Memphis. But now uh, there's this, you know, it started in the NBA, this, the quote unquote Ewing effect when Patrick Ewing would sit out for the Knicks. And somehow they played better. And it made no sense, of course. But that is really, really true in college basketball. And I fought it hard for years because it didn't, it just didn't make sense to me. I, I'm too rational to understand how this would happen. But I've embraced it now. Something about it that guys know their best players out and there's no way to explain it. But most of the time they play better. And if you wait for the move to come, you're getting a better number. I mean, there there is like a a hypothesis as to why that happens, right? So I'm in the same camp as you, right? Like I'll tell you, I, I predominantly bet hockey. I can't even tell you how many times I've been burned this, my ROI on player news this year. So like a star player being out or a switch from starting goalie to backup goalie is probably negative 10% ROI or worse. Whereas all the rest of my plays are very strong. And I fought it for a long time. And now it's like, there might be something here, but if you're trying to rationalize it, 
I mean, there is like an element of we don't have our best player. Everybody else has to step it up tonight type of situation, right? I played sports. I didn't play it at an elite level. I'm not a pro athlete or anything like that. But there'd be times where player on your team is hurt or just has to miss the game. And you know that everyone's got to step it up. You play a little bit tighter. I Like th- there is a rational explanation for why it happens. But again, we deal with these, these don't happen a ton, right? And, and it, it could just be, you know, the range of variance, right? It could, it could just be a factor. I wrestle with this a lot. It sounds like you're more of the, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to word this properly, but you've come to like, you've watched enough games, you feel like this is an actual factor in it. You cannot quantify it, but you're willing to trust your gut that this is a factor. Yeah, I, I hate admitting that, but it's true. And, you know, I wouldn't have bet that game. Like if that line that was sitting 13 and a half for hours and hours, like if it hadn't moved on the news, I probably would have just passed. But now it's like, all right, now I get another point and a half. And I already think they're going to get this this mythical bump of, of sorts. The other thing I've thought of, and I'm sure someone else smarter than me has floated this before, but when you know the star players out right before game time, the other team maybe is deflated too. The other team says, oh, they don't have their best guy. Mm-hmm. And their motivation, their edge kind of goes down with it. Again, not something we could ever quantify, but perhaps that's also contributing to it. So I, I will say this, like, and, and maybe this is the point that you're going to make, Johnny. I still think that it's a valuable bet regardless, because if you know the market is going to move on a player being out and you can get three or four points of closing line value, it's a valuable bet in the sense that you then have opportunities, right? You can either keep that bet or you can play back at it at another number. You could play back more at another number. Like, I'm not suggesting that people don't do that. Like, if you if you know the market is going to react in a certain way, I think you should bet it regardless. So, yeah, I've been quiet for a while here. A uh, lot of thoughts, lots to unpack for sure. So, going all the way back to the first point, I think one thing you mentioned was when somebody's out, it's you might get that extra half point, you might get this, maybe it overcorrects, oh, this guy's not worth that amount, whatever. What I will say on that is like injury-based news, especially of star players in the NBA, is very easily quantifiable at this point in time. There was a point maybe three years ago, four years ago, when all the injury news started to happen and a lot of players were resting and then you went to the COVID bubble and you had rest and stuff like that where it was very easy to make money mm-hmm. on that and you didn't need to know what you were doing. You just needed to, you know, this guy's out for this team. Okay, go bet the other team. Done. Nowadays, if you try to do that same thing in today's day, I can almost guarantee the average better is getting burned on NBA injuries team, steam chasing this year and probably last year as well. It's very much more, it's a lot more intricate at this time. And that's because over time it shapens up and it's efficient now in terms of what players are worth. And then also the news, although, although the news is still coming out at that exact second, there's a lot more anticipation of the news. So a player, you know, if Giannis is going to be in or out for his next game, the line doesn't just assume he's in right away. And then when he's out, move all those points. It's assuming like a 50-50 chance of him playing and then it's adjusting accordingly. It's like the Memphis guard um, that that you spoke about, like an in-between line. So, So a few points to make here, I guess, to add to the conversation is number one, in the NBA, it's very pronounced as to what a player is worth. And that's because you have usually multiple years of history on that player as well as the team performance. Within college, especially near the beginning of the season, prior to the tournaments and stuff like that, 
absolutely can find an edge on the replacement value and the injury value. We've talked about it in college football where it's significantly less important. Definitely, definitely an edge in college basketball is if you've got inside information on who's going to play and who's not going to play, and then you can scale that back and find replacement level value of the players that are going to come in behind them, mm-hmm. for sure. Also, in doing some work, I know a lot of people have mentioned um, the higher the spread, the more what John's saying actually does make sense. So if you've got something where it's like a 17-point favorite and they're, list, they're losing their best guy, oftentimes that best guy was not going to play as big a role in that game, given that they were already 17 or 20-point favorites. If you dial that back to a pick to a pick it's a significant right. yep. difference. So I don't know about the whole angle there that you guys are mentioning. I don't know how much I buy into that where it's like, ah, oh, if they're losing their best player, they actually get a bump. Still just doesn't factually make sense to me. I guess if we had years of back-tested data on that and we can quantify it, great. But definitely at the higher spreads, it's something where you have to look at the usage as well for those players. And if they don't have that best player, like how many minutes were they losing of that player? He might have might have sat the second half anyways. He might have been buzzing around there. You right. never know. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, John, on, on your end, so I, I want to pick up on something that Johnny said here, which is, access to inside information in college basketball, right? And a lot of people ask me the same questions about other sports, but I'm curious your take on college basketball. So you feel really strongly in a game. You feel confident about it. You go out and bet that game, and then the market moves away from you. And now all of a sudden, three hours later, or you wake up the next morning, or whatever the case is, you're getting a better price than you were previously. Is that something that you know, do you, do you basically pause at that point and take a step back and say, oh, maybe I don't know something here? Or are you confident enough in your opinions to say that I actually like this price a lot better? I'm either going to average my cost down, whatever the case may be. How do you approach that type of situation? Yeah, it's a great question. Because more often than not, the line is moving with me. You know, when it does go against me, I, I will pause for a little bit and I'll look and say, did I miss an injury? Did I miss something public? But I accepted in general, a long time ago, that I'm not going to have access to a lot of the quote unquote inside stuff. It's just not possible. I'm not, I would tell you, honestly, if I was tapped into a bunch of different sources of injury information, I'm really not. Uh, So there's going to be stuff that I'm simply not going to be able to be privy to. And I think I would drive myself to insanity if I said every time, well, there's something missing and I don't know what it is. And I, I can't do anything until I find out. I'll do my diligence within reason to try and figure out if there's something out there but I'm not going to be able to cover everything for all these 360 something teams. So if it's something that was out there and I missed it, well, that's on me. But if it was something that no one knows about, except the trainer and the manager and the guy's girlfriend, there's nothing I could do about that. So yeah, I will read that at a better price as long as I'm not missing something that's easily accessible, essentially. When we talk about actually betting here, John, um, a lot of times we talk about like, you know, the, how you come up with the plays and stuff like that. And that's only really half the battle, if not less. Actually physically placing the bets, getting down, significantly different. So we know you're based, I guess, primarily, are you based primarily in New Jersey? I know you're uh, doing something in Pennsylvania as well. Which yeah, is also, I live also, in Philly. So you, you live in, you live in Pennsylvania. All right, Correct. got it. So you're, so you're still, still a regulated state for sports betting, although less, uh, less outs than New Jersey. So how is that? coming into your day-to-day now when you're betting? Like, are you betting mostly for yourself, you know, morning, night, how, which sports books using a variety? Like if you want to get into that a little bit. 
It's a variety offshore, uh, domestic, obviously like, like anyone, as you guys have talked about many times on the show, you know, the regulated sports books are difficult to get down at for anyone who shows a pulse. So yeah, I, I have to do more offshore than I'd like a little bit of PPH more than I would like, but that's just part of the deal at this point. But as far as timing, I pretty much know exactly the number I want on any given game, you know, barring a late injury or something like that. I know what I want. So if the line opens, you know, an hour later and the numbers are there, I'll just play it at that point. Even if the limits are a little lower, sure. You know, I'll, I'll play it at that point. Same thing is true at the other end. If I want plus seven and I can't get plus seven until five minutes before tip, that's fine. I'll wait until tip off. And if I never get it, then I'll just pass. So I end up kind of betting. There's no consistent pattern for when I bet just because it's all based on when my number comes, if it comes at all. Uh, but I try and do, it helps to not sleep much. Mm-hmm. I, I, I sleep five hours a night. I also have a seven month old baby. So, so I certainly don't sleep now. C- congrats uh, though, by the way. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I've yeah. gotten used to this, this lifestyle. So, you know, I do a good amount of research late at night, place come in you know, one, two in the morning. Yes. So it's, it's all over the map. We've had a few questions come in in regards to this topic that I'm about to ask you about. On BetStamp, most of your bets are like flat unit size. So obviously when you're doing flat unit, if you're saying I'm betting, and again, I know these are not the numbers, but if you're betting 100 bucks a game, you can typically get $100 in the morning, $100 at night, $100 overnight, $100 right before the game starts, right? And it's easy at that point. Um, Given that you mentioned right now, sometimes you'll bet early, sometimes you'll bet it late. A lot of times what we get questions on in regards to college basketball specifically, is in the morning, the numbers are more readily available, but you can't get enough down. Before the game, you can get enough down for a lot of people, but it might not be as sharp of a number. So question for you is, how do you tackle this situation? And do you see significantly lower ROIs in the stuff that you're playing right before the game? Yeah, this is something I've wrestled with a lot. And I think I'll go back to that very beginning of the season as the best example, that first week. The market is so volatile because the numbers are so weak, of course. I, there's I, one game in particular that jumps out this year. I think it was the most movement I got on any total. It was Charleston versus North Carolina, opened like 150. And I said, you know, this, this game is like 10, 12 points off, which sounds insane. You would never get that outside of the first week or two of the season. So I have a choice at that point. Do I either take a num- you know, take the number at low limits and say, hey, at least something's better than nothing, or do I sit there with my thumb up my ass knowing someone else is going to bet it because it's it's that far off? And then I'm betting instead of getting 150, you know, over 150, I have to play 154, 155, whatever it is. I think that game closed like 162. And I kept, you know, I, I hit it at every book I could possibly get to. And I had to play a couple numbers higher than 150. It, it didn't end up mattering. But yeah, I wrestle with this all the time. I would rather people, I'm sure, think I'm crazy, especially the, the pro guys. I would rather get something down. It's decent at my number that I know is going to move a decent amount in my favor, then sit there and watch the numbers pass me by. I, that's just my philosophy. I'd rather get put something in my pocket, even if I'm sacrificing a little bit on the back end. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, listen, there's a math equation to, I know you're not a math guy, so you can completely dismiss that because you can calculate kind of your expected value based off of your betting times, but it's, it's different for every person. Right. And there will be people that listen to this interview that are probably furious with your last yeah. answer because they're like, what, what the fuck, John, like you're, you're betting small limits. You're causing the line to move three or four points here. Like wait it out a little. I wouldn't it, be surprised. It really does depend on the amount. Because For sure. If you're, if you're betting, if yeah. your standard unit is a hundred is $250, 
then there's no reason to ever wait. And there, it just doesn't make financial sense. Right. If you're lim- if you're betting, I would say even under 10 grand a game, it almost doesn't make sense to wait. Agreed. And a lot of times it doesn't. And I think that's like kind of what I was getting at is like to each their own, right? It's going to be different for every single person. Um, you know, if, if I was producing the exact same numbers that if I, if I, if I was a twin of John and thought in the exact same way, um, I don't have a job, right? Like I'm reliant on my betting to supplement my income. I wouldn't be able to bet uh, overnight market and college basketball, for example, but to each their own uh, type of situation, I, I'm, I'm very interested in the stuff about like betting before the game time because we're conditioned to believe in uh, closing line being the most efficient line for the, the major sports. And, you know, you mentioned betting five minutes before game time. If we'll, we'll put this up in, in uh, on the screen as well. So the viewers can see your historicals on bet stamp for the, an entire college basketball season. But basically your ROI continues to go up your closing line value as the year goes on, goes further down. Um, right. So, does that concern you for one? If you're betting into February or March, you're not attaining the same closing line values you did earlier in the year. Do you end up having less volume? I, I just want you to talk me through that a little bit because I'm sure that's something you've noticed as well. It is. And there's been years where, well, every year, the CLV will go down every year, inevitably. Just the tighter market, it's going to go down. I don't know. I, I imagine there's not a person alive who can maintain that CLV from the first two or three weeks the rest of the season. I don't know how you would. But no, it doesn't concern me that it's going down. The reason I'm betting more often now, closer to tip, uh, that's something that's more so happening in the last month. It's kind of related to what I was talking about earlier, where I think the market just overcorrects on injuries or on a particular angle. What we're into now as we closer to the tournament is you get these narratives of like teams in these quote-unquote must-win games. This team must win this game because they're on the bubble, that type of shit. And that is so... You know, it's probably the worst angle in college basketball, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I'm sure people disagree. But, you know, 10 days ago, Oregon uh, playing UCLA at home, a game that they quote-unquote had to win. It's their last big chance to get a, a quality win. And Ken Palm had Oregon plus five line. First of all, the line already opened short. It opened three. So we're already two points off. Throughout the day, it's going ticking down, ticking down, ticking down. It gets down to one and a half. Oregon plus one and a half five, 10 minutes before tip. And I was watching it all day and finally decided to move. So yeah, I'm not getting any CLV on that number, but I think I have a bigger edge five minutes before tip than I would have at any other point that that line's been available. Right. So I think that's the way I, I kind of offset the CLV quote unquote losses uh, by finding these edges, by getting the best of the number, even if it's a number that's been steadily, you know, it's been going the other way all day, I'm still getting the best of it. And as long as I'm not missing an injury or suspension, then I generally feel okay about that. Uh, one thing I love about a lot of the creators that we have at the Hammer Betting Network is that a lot of us speak our mind. And I think you're no different than that on Twitter. I followed you for a while on Twitter. You're just, you'll put it out there if you think something's bullshit or like, don't do this, don't do that. And we have a lot of people that are like that. It's sometimes a blessing. It's sometimes a curse. Like, obviously, there, there's a lot of things that, that come with that altogether. But you just mentioned too, but like the lazy narrative of this team needs to win games. Uh, one of my biggest pet peeves is when a game is labeled as an upset, if the lower ranked team won the game, even though they might've been a big underdog in the market. 
does this type of stuff bother you? And on top of that, just to further it, what are some of your biggest pet peeves in the betting space uh, or the college hoop space? I would really be underselling it if I said it bothered me. I am absurdly triggered by it. <laughs> I'm to the to the point that I cannot focus on anything else. No it's one of those things. Madness upsets. These yeah. are the best. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, the tournament it's going to happen, right? You're going to have like a, a ten seed favorite over yeah. a seven. And it's, yep. it's upset because people are filling out their brackets. Upset city. <laughs> I I completely lose my shit, uh, unfortunately. But it's just a, a personality quirk, I guess. But uh, this doesn't happen in other sports. I mean, a little bit in college football, but this doesn't happen in the NFL, for example, right? Like if the Bears are seven-point dogs to, I don't know, the Niners or something, and the Bears win that game, everyone, from the most recreational better to the sharpest better to the people on ESPN, everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's an upset. But in college basketball, you know, when number 15 goes on the road to an unranked team, but they're six point dogs, like, obviously, we all know what you would have to pay to get that, you know, plus money on that, that, that unranked team. So, yeah, it, it drives me absolutely up the wall. It's, it's so, I mean, yeah, it's just as lazy as it gets. And there's no excuse now in 2023, if you're on TV or you're in media or you're on the radio five years ago, was there, is it possible you didn't know the spread? Sure. But there's no chance now that that's the case. Oh, in when you look at this, used to happen in NHL and uh, NBA as well, though, based on the seeding for the uh, playoffs for NHL, there would be back in the day the three versus the six was the key because you had to put the lowest team. Yep. Oftentimes, what I mean by that is the the three division winners had to get the one, two, and three, three seed teams. of of the eight in the NHL. But oftentimes, there'd be like one division which was really poor. And that team probably would have been like the seven or the eight. And they ended up being the three. So they faced the six, which is strong. And then it's like, wow, the upset. They like they won the division. These guys got upset and it would have been a favorite. And that stuff always used to be weird for me. But man, like you said, John, in today's day, like you cannot possibly have that. Even the the upsets for like UFC kind of just fixed this this year. But, it, but, but, but they, they used to say stuff was an upset because the guy won the belt off the champ. And the guy would be like minus 450 to win. And who was like challenging for the belt. And they'd be like, he upsets him. Like, they, the, we have a new champion in town. But it's crazy. But, but this is all rooted. Like, it all comes from the same source, right? Which is just shitty ranking systems that, yeah. that cause this. Like, if, the, if there was no AP poll... And it was just like, okay, they, you know, I don't, I'm going to say Vegas odds makers now, but it could be whatever, like market odds dictated what the seeding was. We would never have this happen. Right. But it's because there's like these arbitrary, like a, the number one seed just loses some random game and they drop to four for no reason, even though they'd be favored over every other team in the country. Like none of that makes sense. One of the favorite features we put into Betstamp, my favorite feature is um, just all we did is right beside the odds of the game, we put a little percentage, like a red and green percent. All it is is the money line odds for the game, stripped out the VIG. So you have best best money line, best money line on the other side, strip out the VIG, and then you put a percentage. What that is is roughly accurate of what the percentage chances are that each team will win the game or each fighter will win the fight, whatever it might be. If you don't think that's accurate, you can win a lot of money betting. So it's in theory, the most accurate thing we have. And I've been pushing this as like an alternate use for people who don't even bet on sports, who even friends and family, guys, girls, I know that are, that have, have the app on the phone even just to support friends and family. And they will use it sometimes and be like, oh, can you believe this fighter is only 29% chance to win? And I'm like, wow, like 
that is a small feature that just made you so much more knowledgeable now than all the commentators who are commentating this shit. I've tried so hard to make headway with some of my friends who are sports fans, but they're, you know, the definition of the casual better. And I have made no headway whatsoever in trying to get through on this particular topic. But uh, I will keep trying. But I will say, just as a broader point about college basketball in general, the sport is, I don't know how, but the sport is covered the same way in 2023 that it was covered in 1993, even though we now have access to incredible data that was inconceivable even 15, 20 years ago. Like I said, you know where every shot and every gym in the country is being taken now. It's all trackable. But media who covers the sport really has not evolved at all for different reasons. And I, I can't say I follow some of the other sports well enough to say if it's the same type of issue. I know you guys are huge hockey fans. And there's a whole world of hockey analytics. But, you know, and I, I have heard you say that it's being integrated into the broadcast, at least in the NHL, that there's been some attempt to incorporate uh, more analytics stuff, more betting stuff. That really hasn't happened at all in college basketball. For the most part, it's still stuck in the dark ages. See, this is one of my biggest pet peeves in sports. I mean, you do see a little bit more evolution in the other sports. Like the NFL has, I mean, the, the problem is a lot of these are like second stream experiences or secondary broadcasts where you can yeah. see all these advanced stats. They're not, they're not incorporated into the main one just yet. But like, it drives me crazy when I watch an NFL broadcast. And whether the commentator says it or a graphic comes up on screen that says this is the number one offense in the league and it's based off of yards <laughs> per game or points per game. Like yep. they don't even reference what it is. Sometimes it's, like, it's total points. Doesn't even factor that one team passed the buy already. <laughs> That's what this is when they go nuts. You know what I mean? But, or even even the ones in the NHL. Sorry to derail a little, but they'll, they'll show the points and they'll be like, if the season ended today, these guys would be the number two seeds. Like they have... They literally have four games in hand. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, yeah, they play four games more than yeah. every other team. Or sorry, four games more. Just yeah. at least put it as like a points per game or something. Like you got to do something. But I, I, I don't, I don't know why this still happens. Honestly, like, is is it that we we are the outsiders in the sense that like we've evolved too early? Like, is is that the case? Because I, I watch a lot of the broadcasts, and I honestly, maybe this is just a me problem. But like, I get stressed out sometimes watching these, and like, I get angry. Like, like, literally, get angry watching a broadcast saying, "Like, why are they talking about? Why are they showing this?" And I wonder if it's like, just some of the betters in the space. I've, I've just evolved earlier than everyone else. I think that's pretty much exactly it. Uh, and, and I'm projecting here or assuming because I don't, I don't know any TV network producers to ask them this question directly. But I think what they probably tell you is, well, we don't think the audience. The, the casual broad audience is interested in this kind of stuff right now, but that kind of creates a chicken or the egg question. If you show the audience this stuff, maybe they would become interested in it. You'll never know, but they sit there and say, well, you know, we don't think this would have any broad appeal. And that might be true. I mean, certainly that's the approach that Turner takes for the tournament when they bring on Charles Barkley and Kenny Smith, who don't watch college basketball all year. And anyone who's a fan of the sport can sit there and say, these guys are idiots. They, they don't know what's going on. And it's obviously, it's apparent within 15, 20 seconds of watching them. But that is a conscious decision by the network to bring in a very NBA-centric audience. So I, I think that's probably what it's rooted in. Will it get better over time? Hopefully, but it's probably going to be a while. Yeah, we'll see. I feel bad sometimes for a lot of the broadcasters, though, because they're doing so much different things, so many different things. And a lot of times you're covering different sports. And think, of, think about it. If you have no job, 
You do nothing else other than bet on college basketball. You see it and like, yeah, of course. How do you not know all these teams? How do you not know all these things? But when you look at it from a broadcaster's perspective, like these guys have families, they have th- yeah. things like that. They go to their jobs. Like you can't be expected. There's so many games, right, for college. And then yep. now you talk about NBA and stuff like that. And oftentimes like Stephen A. Smith, he gets like ridiculed by the sharp community about like this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And then you really break it down. You're like, they're asking this guy to cover so many different sports there. And uh, yes, basketball, you should know. But then it's like, He'll have to give NFL hot takes and then he'll have to give whatever. And they put him on the MMA broadcast once or a boxing one or something. And he, he didn't know. It's like, how are you going to blame the guy though? Like how can he possibly be expected that at his age, he's expected to just follow every single sport in that much detail. Like it's not going to happen. That's the mistake is like from the network putting side him, of things. Putting yeah. him on and calling him an expert in MMA. I, you can't really expect the guy to go through all that. So I, a lot of times I do feel bad for the broadcasters themselves. But the same probably happens with producers, right? Like, you know, I used to produce radio, very different, but I worked at a, at a TV station and the producers there are covering all sorts of different sports, right? There's the, there, So, I, I mean, ultimately there's got to be some sort of solution though. At the end of the day, like it's, you mentioned the college basketball broadcast being the same in 1993 as they are now. Now, that's probably a little bit of an exaggeration, but it's probably not all that different. It really isn't, other than graphics and like being able to see stuff in real time. And I, I just feel like a lot of, maybe not 1993, but 2013 to 2023 in a lot of sports, you'd look back and you'd be like, ah, you know what? This really hasn't involved a whole lot. It, it really hasn't, but I, I do recognize that they can't produce, like, we can't be the target audience. I, I truly get that. There's nothing produced for the most part on TV or in any mainstream capacity that's going to be, that's going to say, we want you, John Fendler, to be the target median viewer. That's never going to happen. And I've accepted that. And that's fine. Uh, but I do wonder if, you know, as you guys have covered, as this all becomes uh, more easily understood if there's going to be any sort of shift. I think for some of these guys, especially the older broadcasters, like you're never going to get Dick Vitale to be able to understand any of this stuff. And that's fine. You wouldn't expect him to be able to. But I'm I'm hopeful that as the younger generation starts matriculating upwards that you see something of a change. But no, I, I fully understand why they can't make it uh, the center of the broadcast. Well, I mean, listen, there there, there is... So I had to, I got into this argument on Twitter that it was the most triggering argument ever that we covered on this show before. When, when I basically said that the NFL, NFL can exist at the capacity that it is right now without sports betting and fantasy. And that triggered a lot of people, which I, I mean, again, maybe I'm just living in my own shell, but a lot of these games that we're in Canada here, it's a little bit different in terms of what we get in terms of accessible college basketball games. We pay for a package. We don't know what we're going to get, but like tonight we're getting Missouri state and Murray state, right? Who oh, that's the hell? Who, the, who is watching that game that isn't betting on that game, right? Like, Especially I, in Canada. That, that, so, like, I feel like even in the U.S., like, it's on CBS SN. I don't even know what that is in the U.S. John, you probably know what it is. But, like, unless you're a Missouri State fan or a Murray State fan, like, the rest of the people watching that game, like, 90% plus, have wagered on that game. Do you, like, should we not appeal to that audience in some capacity? I would think so. We also have now, and I, well, you guys would have this too because it's it's um, internet based. But ESPN Plus, which I think does hockey as well. Yep. No, we we uh, we're out, we're blocked from ESPN Plus. Okay. All right. So that okay. is now within the last couple of years has changed college basketball viewing because on a college basketball Saturday with 150 games, 
just using that app, you can get at least a hundred of them. And it's like the local radio guys, you know, in this little town calling the game, you know, on TV and you, you could barely see it. The quality is often pretty bad, but right. Who is watching that other than the fans and the betters, but it's like a stuffy broadcast that just hasn't changed at all. I would, yeah, I, I, I would love to see more of it. And Rob, I, I heard your, uh, I heard you guys talk about the whole NFL thing. Obviously, I agree. I wonder if the NFL specifically, the league is still, even though they've embraced some betting partnerships and whatnot, if they're still a little bit hesitant to go all the way in. If they're still worried about pissing off older fans who still view gambling as some sort of heresy and they're hesitant for that reason. Yeah, it is what it is. There's like an element of like professionalism that goes with these broadcasts as well. But like ESPN Plus, tons of games tonight. St. Louis at Richmond, right? Why not put, you know, your your play-by-play guy and you got a guy or or a woman on each side, one that bet on St. Louis and one that bet on Richmond. And let's go do a broadcast with people who I are think Bar- for opposite sides with a play-by-play person. Yeah, that would I be think so Barstool did that. that did- but this is this, these are good like this is I yeah. I say it's good ideas or whatever. But this is like what the younger demographic, this is going to be the evolution eventually. Why not start it now? Why do we have to all these dinosaur broadcasts with like a 77? And, and by the way, I'm not suggesting that every 70 year old person that's a play-by-play person or a color person cannot do their job or cannot evolve. But this is like, this is the new age. Okay, but people don't realize how, I think most people uh, in the space don't have a clue about how many uh views, concurrent views, these broadcasts actually get. And I I do have a semi-good idea for some sports. College basketball, I got no clue. But for NHL, for example, like I know roughly what a Tuesday night Leaf game does in terms of viewership and concurrent. Same with like Saturday night games and how those go. And the numbers on there, when, when you see, like scale that down and see like a college basketball game and how many people are there, like if you had a bet, cast type thing where it's like guys talking about betting we've run some stuff on the hammer betting network where we might even see a couple hundred concurrent views for nfl and stuff like that obviously the nfl broadcast doing way more views than that concurrent but when you scale it down to college basketball it's not us we're not talking about millions of views concurrent for these games we're probably not even talking about hundreds for some of the games it's probably less than ten thousand. and then you're like okay if it's less than ten thousand people viewing this on espn plus or maybe it's 20,000 or 50,000 concurrent viewing it, then if there's a betting show that's going to get garner 5,000 concurrent and growing, that might be something worthwhile. Totally but who knows? It, it all depends on the numbers of how many people are actually viewing these on, on ESPN Plus or on whatever whatever thing. And I guess they have, they have the numbers there to probably make better decisions than us. I, I just wonder, like, if we... Sometimes I, I take a step back and I'm like, do we see this in this lens because we we are the ones that consume betting every day? We bet on sports. We want, but this there's obviously a cultural shift that's happening towards it, and I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. Especially when we consider regulation is now, it's not new. Like this started in many of the U.S. states several years ago. Now people are betting. It's I, I I'm I'm just actually floored that it hasn't happened yet, or that one of the major networks hasn't just drawn a line in the sand and said, we're, we're going to do this going forward. So we're going to have a betting analyst as part of the broadcast. We see it with MMA. The UFC does it as part of their broadcast. Now they're Got embracing it. And we still don't see it anywhere else. But I, I don't know. I, I think that you you want to engage the younger demographic. These They're betting... 
they're playing fantasy. Obviously, you have to be a certain age to bet. I'm surprised we're not incorporating this into, or at least starting to work it into the broadcasts where it's, you know, it's not just shoved down your throat or hit, you know, it doesn't hit you over the head, but it's like people are starting to get introduced to it a little bit more. Okay, show idea. Sure. Day one of March Madness. Watch along. Again, if we if you could just stream it with the game on, would just be so much better. Obviously, with the rights, you can't do that. But, but picture this. Watch along. Day one, March Madness. You get like a guy who's betting, good personality, or a group of people. And then they just like place their bets, live bets throughout. They have pregame bets like, oh, this game's about to start. I'm getting this in pregame. Here we go. Whatever. The viewers at home can follow along, tail those same bets, and sweat the action with them. And then if they're tailing all the same bets, the, their broadcast would, in theory, flip back. Like, okay, this game's going to the end. we got to watch it along. Think about how good of an experience, fun of an experience that would be. So this is betting red zone college basketball. Red zone yes. for college basketball. For or, okay. or an NBA night or an NHL night where you could just follow along with bets on the thing. And then if a game's going to OT, like, hey, let's go to OT. We got to get it. And if you don't have a bet in there, Jam a liver in right before the shootout. <laughs> That's what you got to do. Like, think about how fun that is. Then you're actually using betting for what it's intended to be, which is like an incredible night of entertainment. And you're going to lose 100 tonight. You're going to win 95 tomorrow. All in, you might lose a couple percent, but it's well worth the, the time spent. Betcasts, betcasts are the way of the future. They haven't, they're, they're not happening at scale yet. But five years from now, these are going to be happening at scale. You, someone has like you have to watch with you, the game because in the this is happening like, on YouTube without the games, right? But like, it can't you can't have like it's so hard. But but here's what I'm saying: like, so me and Eric Eager uh, on on Hammer HQ one night, we're just doing a halftime show of a game, and all of a sudden there was like just thousands of people flooding into the comments all at once, and I had no idea what was going on, and it was a bigger YouTube creator, I think named Tom Grossi that sent over his entire following that was watching his stream over to ours really quickly. And they're like, oh, you know, I can't remember what they're saying. Like, we're taking over this and that. I was like, I couldn't process the amount of comments that were coming in in real time. But after it was done, I figured out what was going on. I went to check out this guy's channel. He's doing like 100K views of Sunday night football watch-alongs. Uh, and he doesn't even have the game up on screen. He just has the time. And he's just watching the game. Half the time, he's not even talking. He's drinking a beer. He's a Packers fan, whatever. And... Then I started to look and there's views, there's ones that are even bigger than that, even bigger than that. Like this is happening, just not on TV right now. It's happening in a digital setting, but eventually it will happen on TV. It will find its way there. Well, the, the Manning cast, I guess, was a, was a good attempt at it. Steve Dangle. Yeah, yeah, yeah but Dangle, it's not really betting centric. It's like, no. in fact, I do like Steve Dangle. For those of you who don't know, he's a Canadian YouTuber, whatever, but it's it's... It's tough to watch that one, to be honest. Yep. If story. they could do the sky cam stuff or all these like alternate angle type things, I mean, March Madness for years, they've done these these homer broadcasts where they put like the very, very biased announcers. Each team gets their own channel. So if you're, if you're a big Kansas fan, you can watch the Kansas channel. If you're a big Duke fan, you can watch the Duke channel. Oddly enough, that often leads to people just stumbling into the wrong channel and being like, these announcers are so biased. <laughs> yeah. This is ridiculous. <laughs> So if you could do that, of course you could do a betting centric one too. Yeah, that would be cool. Uh, John, uh, you also bet on uh, some college football. We noticed uh, just by uh, scrubbing through your bet stand profile, doing quite well on that as well. Uh, Re really well. Really well for for NCAA F. Any uh, plans to scale that up for this next year? Like, you know, where does that where is that coming from? Is it the same subjective analysis there? Well, I mean, as far as the volume, I was thinking about that uh, yesterday when I was 
thinking about ideas for the show. And, you know, my CLD in 2021, almost 200 bets was 4.2%. And then last year, a little over 200 bets was 2.9%. Uh, but last year ended up being kind of a mediocre year. I only ended up 53.3% win rate. And I started thinking maybe my volume just has to be higher because, you know, I'm getting great CLV, but my volume probably isn't quite high enough for that to pay off. I know I don't want to get into this, you know, that irritating CLV debate that comes from Twitter, but obviously the more bets you have, the bigger the sample, the more it's going to pay off for you. So I'm starting to think that I just need to uh, bet more volume in general. I have enough of an edge, I think. So yes, as far as scaling, I would like to get involved in more games, but it's something I'll have to look at once college basketball ends and we have five months before football starts. That's probably the number one thing for me to look at. I think there are definitely people out there that value your college football a lot. For those that don't know, John was writing for the Hammer HQ during college football season and he would put out an article early in the week about, you know, things to keep an eye on. Basically, as soon as we posted that article, within two minutes those lines started to move very quickly. So there's people looking out for it. I think that's probably one of the truest indicators that you have something of value and that you should consider maybe putting more volume down overall. Oh, and, and 200 plays. That's like, you know, maybe less than a tenth of what you're doing for college basketball. So it makes sense right. that you might have, you know, a break-even year, a slight positive but that, year. But that's still like, tw that's roughly 20 plays a week, right? I mean, if you count bowl season, maybe 15. No, less, less. There's more than 10 weeks. To, uh, yeah, so fifteen roughly, right? Probably. Well, depends if you yeah, if you count bowl season and yeah, I guess it depends. But it, it's actually not that low of volume in retrospect compared to NFL. You probably have less volume. Like, how many plays do you have for NFL? Uh, six to eight. So not so not like a round. That, uh, uh, like lar like, like a normal total size season, normal total si season. Oh, total. I, I I'd have to go through, but it's a couple hundred probably. That that uh, like a normal size play. Let's put it that way. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Makes right. Sense. So in one way I could potentially, and I've done this the last two years, one way I could get a little more volume. I've gotten involved in the FCS market, which is like the yeah. wild west. Um, that, that shit is, I, I have not seen any other market like this because it doesn't open, at least in the U.S., doesn't open until like 9 a.m. Saturday morning. And you have games kicking off at noon. So you have three hours for this market to settle. Nobody knows what the fuck's going on in general. Uh, so that's, you know, I've gotten some pretty wild CLB there, but it's not like I trust it. It's not like the game starts. I'm like, oh, I, I beat the number by five points. I still walk into that like, shit, this can go a bunch of different ways. Yeah. FCS, the absolute hammer. The absolute, but but at least you can, you ha at least when you lose that bet, you can fall back on, well, at least I got a good number on the bet, right? It's, sure. mu it's much worse than the market moving five points against you and then losing that bet as well. So, yeah. So John, as we mentioned, was doing the written stuff for the hammer. And, um, you know, recently been more of a focus from Rob on the video stuff. So uh, just also for the listeners here, if you are coming and you're, you were a fan of John's articles or anything like that, you can now find him. I'll go, let Rob do the plug actually yeah. here because you know the dates. So John every week does a, a video on Wednesdays where it's called School of Thought. It's on the Hit the Books YouTube channel. So head over there, subscribe it. You can check out John's videos. But typically it's a focus on a, a very overrated or underrated team in the market and specifically why he thinks that they're overrated or underrated. It's not a long watch. 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes on a weekly basis, but lots of valuable insight in there. I watch it every week. Um, and it, you, I started to learn new metrics that I didn't even know existed from college basketball. So there's that too. If you're just trying to pick up some new things, want to get with the times, I'm sure you'll, you'll learn a ton. Yeah, we're, we're really trying to focus on evening out 
each of the channels here. You know what I mean? So if, if well, you lost a bunch of money on Joey Kinnish <laughs> tailing his football picks, then maybe this is a good time to make some back on college basketball season on the Hit the Books channel. He's not going to appreciate that too much. <laughs> not I had to get that plug in. I don't even know if we're definitely. I don't know if you're trying to even know if the channels or not. I just had to. I just had to throw the hit. We're trying to it. produce as much good content as we can and stuff that like we would all watch, right? I think that's the goal. Is per, I, I want to produce content that I would watch myself. Pretty easy ask, and uh, John, produ- John John does a good job with that every single week. I uh, want to leave you on this, John. Uh, everyone can follow him on Twitter at jaf three seventy three. I highly suggest that you do. Uh, we ask the same final question to everyone. If you could go back five years and talk to a previous version of yourself, what advice would you give to your former self? I think a little bit more humility would have been nice in general. Uh, I fell hook, line, and sinker for the whole, and I was, this was in vogue years ago. I, I don't know, five years ago, but maybe like seven, eight, uh, when I was starting to kind of wind my way through this. The whole fade the public mentality, the whole like fake contrarian bullshit that Sports Insights and Action Network were pushing. And it made so much sense to me that, oh, well, yeah, most people lose at this. So therefore, most people are wrong when they're on mostly on the same side. And I've learned through experience that that's just not true. That's not why most people are losing. They Almost anyone can, can over enough sample, be a coin flip 50-50 capper. It's not that. And the quote unquote sharp stuff or public stuff is all noise. It's what people make of it. And none of it really matters. Just focus on getting the best number, focus on the approach that works for you and, you know, drown out all the other bullshit. Cause you guys know better than anyone. This space is full of nonsense and noise that goes nowhere. Well said. Um, yeah, I mean, it's always challenging and, and you shouldn't blame yourself too much for that from five years ago. Cause I blame myself for that from 10 years ago, but the reality is that's a lot of what is in the space, right? I mean, if you start Googling stuff of how to win at sports betting, watching videos, I mean, look at some of these YouTube channels that have hundreds of thousands of subscribers. We broke one down here on one episode with an NBA live betting strategy, which has like 70K views and it's like absolute garbage. So don't blame yourself too much for that. But I think the evolution of a better is very important and realizing when something's not working to be able to say, this ain't working, I got to do something differently. Appreciate your time, John, at John Fendler on Twitter. Uh, Again, check out School of Thought on Hit the Books YouTube channel. Subscribe, like. Anything else out there, John, that you want to promote? No, nothing at all. I I wish I had something to sell people, but I really don't. I'm just going to post the plays and you guys could do, you know, whatever you want with them. But there's, you know, I'm never going to sell picks or anything like that. So, hey, uh, it should be a fun month ahead here with, with the season winding down. If you're just joining now, you're... Hopefully end at the right time. Notifications on on Betstamp. That's how you're going to get the plays fastest um, at all times. So that's an easy one. I'm going to go turn them on right now, John. JAF373 on Betstamp. Appreciate it, John. All the best. Good luck with all the upcoming trials as well. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Well, that was a good interview. Yeah. Uh, very entertaining. And I uh, I like the guy. Like, he's pretty well-spoken. And um, I, I've tailed him on Betstamp for a long time. So good to got a question for you, Rob. Uh, you thinking of setting up any new beards for March Madness? Well, I set up this beard, courtesy of Manscaped. Breaking news. Manscaped now selling beard products. That's right. They've gone from waist to face. <laughs> they help you replace that bulky razor with their brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Manscaped has created the best tools for you to turn your head 
for you to turn heads with a clean, perfectly groomed and conditioned beard. Manscaped.com. Promo code CIRCLES for 20% off. So I actually did use this for my face right now. You can be the judge of what you want to do. I'm going to tell you why this is great. And I will highly recommend it to you. Again, I don't promote products that I don't believe in. The problem when I usually do my beer is I have a million of these different clip-ons that can go on to an attachment. They're all over the place in my, in my vanity, in my washroom. This is by far the best designed beer trimmer because there is one little toggle. It's like this rotational wheel where you can change the clip. You don't have to actually change the clip. You literally do not have to change the clip. So if you want to do shorter on one side, a little thicker in the middle, you just spin a toggle. That easy. Take it in the shower with you as well. It's cordless. Works out. It works like a charm. Highly recommend. I seriously will not go back to another beard trimmer. And my poor barber, Niall, who's used to doing my beard, I'm just going to have him give him an extra tip for the hair now because he's not going to do the shave as well. So go 20% off. Free shipping. Our code is circles at manscaped.com. Once again, code is circles at manscaped.com. The Manscaped Beard Hedger Pro Kit. All right. We promised that if you got to the episode, Johnny was going to give out a pick. So I got my pick locked and loaded. I don't often give out picks. It's a big risk for me to give out a pick. But I'm going to go with my guy, Jake Paul. Still can get him at minus 140 against Tommy Fury. It's hammer time. Jake Paul. Jake gonna, Paul. He's probably going to win by decision. But give me Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury. As a favorite, people don't think it's a real boxer. But he is. Thanks for getting to the what, end of the what episode. What would you play that up to? Because this is coming yeah. out. Yeah. This is going to move now based off of you. So you got you to... Gotta, it, it's, it's still hanging around there. I don't anticipate it moves. Like, you're probably going to end up getting this a little bit... Now I got to give a playable price too. See, that's tough. That's tough. That's tough right Backed now. Yourself into what's the, let's go playable price. What's the probability of Jake Paul winning? I'm going to go <laughs> probability. Well, if I were like, you can't, you can't just say like a little bit above the odds. Otherwise no, no. one, no one does that. So what I'm going to say is he's in 99.9% <laughs> stone cold lock. Oh my God. Playable up to, I'll give a playable price. But see here's the thing. If, if you're gonna have to lay like minus one eighty or minus one ninety, I'd I'd play it. I'd play a decision prop depending on the odds there. But let's go with minus seventy. We take still minus one seventy. You take minus one seventy on the money line is an implied probability of sixty three percent. Minus so saying, seventy. We still take. Although you you can't grade me on this. As uh, as my official well, we're gonna play. Grade, we're gonna have to grade you on this. So you're we're gonna me, get, you're we're gonna grade worst you at no, no. We're grading a guy you. who only preaches get best price in market. We're grading you at minus one forty. You get the bet at minus one forty. So if it loses, which it won't, because I'm gonna bet it. And whenever I bet these types of like gimmick fights, I always win. Okay, if you have to lay minus one seventy, I'm preferring Jake Paul by decision. Anything better than plus. 2.30. You heard it right here on Circles Off, episode number 90. 90 is the implied probability of Jake Paul in this fight. 90%. There you go. He said 99.9%. <laughs> All right. Like and subscribe. Be sure to do that. Rate, review, five stars if you're listening via audio. In the comments, if Jake Paul loses, make sure you roast Johnny. That's it. We'll see you next week, episode number 91. Peace out. 